This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm Ayesha Sharif. I'm the Outreach Director, and my pronouns are she and her. My name is Esther Durothschild. I'm the founder of The Love Boat, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, both of you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So for starters, could you just tell me a little bit about how your organization got started and what you're doing this year? The Love Vote started a year ago, and it is a platform for the 50 million Americans who can't vote to share their stories and move others to vote on their behalf. It works like crowdfunding, but instead of raising funds, we raise votes, and we're hoping to increase voter turnout with love. So what exactly has your work looked like this year in particular? This year, a lot of what we've been focusing on for the last few months is creating mover videos. And movers are people who cannot vote and helping them share their stories and then incorporating a user-generated aspect to the website where people who might not be able to make a professional video can upload their own video on why they can't vote. So could you tell us a bit more about the people who are disenfranchised in this? Why is that the case? The movers on the love vote are people who can't vote either because they're too young and on our site, you can be 13 to 17. Or because you're not a U.S. citizen, maybe you have DACA or TPS or you're a refugee or have a green card or any other kind of status but not citizenship. Or you're disenfranchised because of a felony conviction and you live in a state that now excludes you from voting because of that conviction. Or you're a U.S. citizen who lives in Puerto Rico and is therefore unable to vote in the midterm. So there's a range of reasons why people can't vote. And it's at least 50 million people who are teenagers or adults who can't vote, but who are part of this society and who should have a say when it comes to our election. And why exactly is voting so important, especially to these groups? What difference can it make? Voting is important for people who can't vote. I can speak only from my own experience. As, um, I'm not a U.S. citizen and I'm too young to vote. And I think it's important for the people around me to sort of vote on my behalf because it's what I would be doing. And I now feel like I'm a part of the conversation when it comes to political engagement. And I feel like I'm a part of the process in um, changing this country. And I think that it's just extremely important for the people who can vote to vote in their communities when they know that there's people who can't. And what do you think the stakes are of this election in particular, especially for millennials? The stakes are really high for many reasons, but I think that for young people, Generation Z, there's a lot of stakes in terms of safety within schools. There's stakes when it comes to immigration and sort of the turbulent um, policies that have been happening around DACA and other things. The stakes are high for women and in this country. So I think that 
right now in particular, there feels like there's so much at stake and that the stakes are really high. And the stakes are different for each individual person. And the love vote is really focused on human stories. So, for instance, we have a mover named Alex who grew up in Haiti, has made a life for herself in Miami. She has temporary protected status that the administration is trying to end and would therefore force her and thousands of other Haitians with PTS to go back to Haiti in 2019. So those are the stakes for her and the stakes for everyone who loves her and wants her to stay here. Then you have very high stakes for a million and a half Floridians who cannot vote because of a past felony conviction and on November 6th could regain the eligibility to vote if this constitutional amendment Amendment 4 passes. So the stakes are very, very high all over the country for individual people for different reasons. Given that your work clearly intersects with voting rights and who does and does not have access to the franchise, could you tell us what exactly the state of voting rights is in our country right now, especially given what's going on in Georgia and North Dakota? Well, we think that voting is much too difficult. Voting should be something that is common and expected and easy for everyone who is eligible to vote. And we know that it's not. And we know that the Supreme Court has essentially gutted the Voting Rights Act, which is having devastating consequences all over the country. But as you said, particularly in places like Georgia, where 53,000 people's registration is on hold, although they still can vote and should vote. And Native Americans being disenfranchised in North Dakota because they have PO boxes and the Supreme Court just saying that that's not enough to register. And many, many other examples. In fact, our partner organization, Spread the Vote, provides free voter IDs to anyone who needs it. And their statement is that voter ID is voter suppression because many people can't afford ID and many states don't even accept student ID. So we know that it is are too difficult for people to vote, and we would love to see automatic voter registration when you get a driver's license you're registered, when you get any other kind of ID you're automatically registered. There should be early voting everywhere. There should be same-day voter registration. There should be all kinds of things that make it easier to vote, and that should be whatever party you're in, you should support a robust democracy where everyone who can vote and there's there's been a lot of focus on Congress and what we could do there. What is the importance of state and local elections? How can that make a difference for millennials? Historically, there's always been a focus on the bigger elections because that's what people tend to know more of. But I think that there's a huge impact for young people, millennials, to also consider what happens after the midterm elections and sort of that there are other elections that exist. And I think that there could be a huge impact within your own community if you are voting for council members and the governor and people who make decisions based on where you live. One of my favorite videos on our site is a woman named Jody Polk, whose video was directed by Uzo Aduba. And Jody says she didn't even know that they voted or the commissioner, or they voted for the judge, or all of these people who impacted her on a local level. And that's what made her want to vote, because that's what was going to impact her on a day-to-day basis. And I think that 
those kind of local elections are extremely important. We're focused on Florida now primarily because of Amendment 4, because of this historic opportunity to re-enfranchise a million and a half people. That's not nationwide, that's in one state, but it's tremendously impactful. What do you think we can do post-2018 and post-Trump to ensure that young people in particular are engaged and understand the stakes beyond just one president? I believe that because of sort of the movement that's come out, that's been happening recently, I think that it's going to have a great impact in the future. Because I do believe that if you vote once, it could become a habit and it could be something that you're doing um, all the time, because I know that there's young people who would never have thought, like, who would never think that voting is something that they were going to do. But I do believe the stakes, like, as you said, the stakes are higher. And we understand that we should have a voice in this country. And historically, young people between the age of 18 through 29 haven't been showing out. And I think that since once we see the impact of the midterm elections and the future elections, we'll be, we'll understand the impact we can have in our world and on and in Congress and local elections. And I'm glad you mentioned Spread the Vote. We also are planning on speaking with them soon. Could you tell us a little bit more about the voter ID process? The voter ID process varies from state to state. The requirements vary from state to state. Really, our partner Spread the Vote can really walk you through how they obtain IDs for people. Sometimes they have people who don't even have a birth certificate, and they'll still have to help them to get IDs. The Love Vote really focuses on motivating and moving people to vote. And then we partner with organizations like Spread the Vote in order to help people once they have been moved to vote and once they have committed to vote, a promise to vote, we follow up with them to then help them vote. We help them register, we let them know where their polling place is, we send them stickers, and if they need ID, then we connect them with the vote. What can folks do to get involved in your organization? There's two different routes. It depends on if your listeners can vote or if they can't vote. So if someone is listening who is not a U.S. citizen or who's age 13 to 17 or who can't vote for any other reason, they go to thelovevote.org and they can share their own story. Either they can upload a very simple cell phone video that they take or they can just upload a picture of themselves and write out their story and explain why they wish they could vote and move other people to vote on their behalf. And it's just like crowdfunding where you set a goal, you say, I want to move 50 people to vote. And then you share your page with your community on social media and other ways, and other people will promise to vote on your behalf. And then we as a level of follow up with them to really help them turn out on election day. Now, if you can vote, again, this is you go to thelovevote.org, and you look through the stories and you find a story that moves you. It could be uh, someone who reminds you of yourself. It could be someone very different. But you can read through stories, watch videos, and you choose someone who moves you in particular. And you just click on a promise button, sign up very quickly, and you become one of their love voters. And that shows people like Aisha that they're seen, they're heard, they're going to be represented in some way on election day. And we'll follow up with you as a love voter, not only to send you stickers and let you know your polling place, but when there are local events, 
we will invite our love voters. And if there's an important update, like Aisha was profiled in the New York Times for her work with the love vote, we sent that to all of her love voters. So it's building a relationship that will also continue. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And I hope we can have you on again in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. And lastly, to our listeners, make sure to keep up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast by subscribing on iTunes, following us on social media, and tuning into the Progressive Radio Network every week at 8pm Eastern to hear our newest episodes. Thanks for listening.